0: Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Expert on Your Life, a workbook is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Expert on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Expert on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. My guest today is Dr. Carla Fowler, an MD, PhD, and elite executive coach. For the last decade, she's been a secret weapon for scores of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and other senior leaders. Carla's unique approach combines the latest research from performance science with timeless best practices to help top performers level up and achieve their goals. In today's episode, she teaches you how you too can level up and be a top performer in your career. Welcome to Lifeology.
1: James, it's great to be here.
0: I am excited. We are talking in the free call So today I'm going to go to the pool and you're going to go cross-country skiing. So it's great that in the United States, it's so diverse of so the weather, but we still are going to get out and get that <laughs> exercise that we all need. <laughs> One thing I always like to ask my guests is how did you, how in the world did you become an elite top executive coach, an MD, PhD, all the things?
1: Well, it's funny. I think the best way to understand this, because a lot of people are like, that's a big pivot, you know, mid career (laughs) is just to say that I think from about the time I was in like, you know, fourth or fifth grade, like that period of time, that awkward period of time as you're getting into middle school that, um, I think sometimes we have experiences and we're like, Oh, okay. Like you're branching out. The world is kind of a scary place. What? what is it that i'm going to do to cope with that you know and for mm-hmm. me i think a big piece of it I'll, like a little story would be you get into middle school you know it's a big new school bunch of elementary schools coming together and you know within the first couple of weeks your best friend has decided that like actually they're kind of more interested in branching out and like running around with some <laughs> You're other <devastated>, kids yeah. <laughs> i don't know if anyone in the audience can like resonate with this but <laughs> okay. and you suddenly are like man this social stuff is a big deal and also yeah how am i how am i going to get along and i think that's like the earliest i can remember thinking well I, I think if i can figure out how to be good at stuff like if you can sort of think about that that's in my sixth grade brain language that <laughs> at the very least maybe people won't make fun of me as much um but also there was this element of saying and there are sort of social games to be played that we we are social creatures and we sort mm-hmm. ourselves into groups and, um, and, and that, that might be something to think really carefully about over the course of my life. And I think that's like the root. And then of course we encounter things, we make decisions. I gravitated mm-hmm. towards things I liked like math and science. I was really interested in people. And so wanted to do something that really helped and engaged with them. Yeah. And so, of course, you make decisions along the way, knowing what you know. And, and that took me on this amazing wild path through uh, kind of academic science and medicine. Um, it also took me to crazy places on the sports field um, and wow. like to to see what that was like. And um and ultimately brought me to this place where I was like the common thread is I love high performance. I love thinking about mm-hmm. it like a scientist. And, uh, I think this is a a subject with enough depth that I could study it for a lifetime. So that is sort of how we get to today.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I I was watching a show years ago called, um, through the wormhole with through the wormhole with Morgan Freeman. And I, I don't even know it was on discovery or something. And there was one episode that they were talking about the high performers and the visualization aspect. And so they, I don't remember how they measured it, but there was someone that was able to do, um, to shoot an arrow or bow and arrow. And they were able to measure the brainwaves, et cetera, of how people who would visualize it and how they wouldn't visualize it and the accuracy, et cetera. So they had all these different metrics of how to measure. And it was so fascinating to me. And like I said, they had so many really cool episodes. I highly recommend recommend that show if anyone has not seen it, but they, but they specifically talked about the performance, uh, science of it. And it's neat. Cause I don't think anyone really, I'll, maybe I'll speak for myself. I didn't realize there was a specific aspect of performance science that, really conceptualizes and can really grasp all this to help people level up. So tell us more about that. What is performance science?
1: Yeah. Uh, so performance science, and you gave such a great example there, is I think of it as all of the ideas and the, and the people studying and thinking about how we do our best work. And as you pointed out, mm-hmm. sometimes that best work has a real physical component to it. So mm-hmm, there was a mm-hmm. lot of sort of sports psychology and also kind of sports physiology that I think is really the roots and the history of performance science. Mm-hmm. Um, but it rapidly uh, had utility in all these other fields that were more sort of thought performance, right? Like mm-hmm. in business. Um, and what I think is interesting is now I believe performance science is coming around to say, oh, wait, these areas that we thought were mostly about thought performance actually Mm -hmm. have a lot also to do with like physical performance that if, for example, as, as a CEO, if we're not like fully caring for our bodies, maybe getting um, like at least enough sleep, uh, you're not, you're probably not going to be the person getting the most sleep on the planet, but (laughs) you know, (laughs) these things matter a lot. Uh, The physical actually matters to our thought performance. And so I, I think it's this really interesting full circle that we've come around to
0: in psychology we teach it whatever you think about determines what you feel creates your emotions emotions create your response so that can either be through a chemical change your hormones uh that can be through a physical change uh as far as how you interact with somebody so the linkage between our thoughts or our perception and then how that creates perhaps confidence and the confidence can create a non shaky hand if you're doing some type of sports itself can you walk us through the different aspects of how we can be aware of that on for a lay person so someone like me uh, well, I'm not a lay person, but people who, anyone that's listening to my show right now, how can we, what are the ways in which we can all be very specific and intentional about our performance in anything we do?
1: This is such a, a complex question. And <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm thinking about where, where's the most <laughs> useful place to start?
0: That's it.
1: One of the things that, that I really focus on as a coach, because as you said, uh, our our brains are a place where we can have some influence, but also this idea mm-hmm. that we can fully control our thoughts or our feelings, um, yeah. I think, isn't necessarily a, a a realistic goal for us. And um, mm-hmm. but of one of the things that I have found is really very helpful, and so it's often where I start is to think about um, helping people get clarity about okay. uh, a couple of big questions and. The reason I think about it is because we we are encountering so much noise in our day to day. Like we are very socially inclined, uh, as my you know <laughs> my story from sixth grade illustrates. High, yeah. <laughs> uh, that that we're very influenced by the people around <laughs> us, uh, by the media, by all these inputs we're getting. And so one of the places I like to start is really asking people, um, and this can be at a meta level; it can also be in a very specific situation. <laughs> but this idea of what is it you want to have happen? Like, what is it that you really want? And um, that can be results, that can be um, Mm -hmm. a dream you have, you know, it can be about your career and where you want to go. It can be, what do you want your life to feel like? But I love to ask this question because I think that when we can get our brains to start to focus on that, um, then we also can then ask a secondary question to say, what's really most important for that? Like, what are really the mm-hmm. big drivers? And this um, this is a principle I talk about in performance. I call it brutal focus. But okay. one of the really interesting pieces about it is that when we can actually do that, we can start to turn down the volume on the noise of saying, well, do I need mm-hmm. to want what other people want? Um, you know, is uh, am I being kind of overly influenced by how other people are doing things. Um, am I overly influenced by trying to do all the things and feeling super burnt out, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. or just depleted, uh, and also maybe not getting the satisfaction of, um, sort of wanting something and then really going after it and seeing that I have the self efficacy to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I like to get clarity on these things because as you point out, um, like sometimes we start with kind of our thoughts and uh, our feelings, and those start to create signals throughout our bodies. But mm-hmm. I've also found and, and um, that sometimes we, if we have some clarity about what might be helpful, even if we do not feel like doing it, even if it's not like a thought that's occurred to us, uh, mm-hmm. that when we start to change our behavior, sometimes we can actually start to influence what those thoughts and feelings are so what Mm -hmm. i'm I'm conveying is Uh there can be a two-way relationship between these things Mm -hmm. and um and so i find that clarity or that brutal focus is what helps us get to what are some behaviors that might actually help you feel differently um, versus Mm -hmm. uh trying to sort through any number of things one could do and say like well
0: which ones That's funny. What I always tell people as well is, is when we're doing really well, create all these lists for self-soothing techniques, self-soothing behaviors uh, from, so from an emotional standpoint, because if I, if my mood goes up and down all the time and when I'm down, I'm not going to have the mental fortitude to, to be like, well, what can I do to help myself? And so to have something already preemptively done, so therefore I can plug and play, I may not want to do this, but I know it's going to help me. So let me introduce mm-hmm. this to myself to help reset the pendulum. To hopefully get myself back up. So from a psychological standpoint, that's what we do. But I mean, for you, I mean, I'm sure there's so many, so many things that people can do to help them continually level up.
1: Well, I love that you brought that up. I, I have a different way I put words to it, which is this okay. idea of um what does it look like to create a good day? And and what I mean mm. by that mm. is like, what are the what are some of the actions? What are the things you're working towards that are compounding towards Uh, either those achievements or even just um, the pace and rhythm and cadence of life that tends to, even though, of course, we, you know, like Mm -hmm. that is how we feel and life kind of goes up and down that tend to keep us moving and with momentum in the direction we like. So this Mm. idea of, and so some of these things can be resets or soothing, but sometimes it's things like, so I'll give an example for myself. It might be, I know that, um, for example, if I can I get myself in bed uh, bed on time that it is is likely the next day will look better, even if today was kind of like, (laughs) kind of crappy. And, or for example, I really like to exercise. So like getting some sweat on, just um, kind of moving my body, even if I'm so tired, I'm like, all I'm going to do is stretch, uh, that that tends to improve my mood. And Mm. even if it doesn't, so these components of like, what does building a good day look like, even if I don't feel like it, is that even if I still, at the end of the day, I'm like, well, that was a crappy day, (laughs) that (laughs) often what happens is the next day, I look back at that day that didn't feel super great, but I don't look at it and say like, and now I feel bad on the next day because I wasted yesterday. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like I was feeling Mm -hmm. bad. And so... I don't know, like I, I, I didn't do things and maybe I, you know, just did some stuff that wasn't so great for me. Um, So it has this added benefit of saying like, do build that good day. And even if it doesn't turn around your mood, it's okay because in the future you'll look back and you will feel good about like how you handled that. And so that's, that's one of the things I think about.
0: We'll be right back. Are you an emerging persona or a global organization that isn't getting recognition from the press? Have your marketing and advertisement efforts hit a plateau? Let us help you take your brand to the next level. Red Heifer Media is a full-service boutique public relations agency specializing in health and wellness, tech, real estate, and nonprofit organizations. We can turn your successful company into a reputable brand. Take your first step and visit www.redheifermedia.com. Once again, visit www.redheffermedia.com to take your brand to the next level. Welcome back. I am James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and the host of Lifeology Radio. I'm currently speaking with Dr. Carla Fowler, who is an MD, PhD, and elite executive coach. In today's episode, she speaks with us about how we can all level up and become a top performer. For more information about Dr. Fowler, please visit thaxa.com. That's T H A X A.com. About uh, the performance aspect of it. So if someone does that, you know, they, they have that, that reset. So a 24 hour reset. Um, but also I think just even if you still do those things, for example, stretching, you're still mm-hmm. implementing the structure that you've created for yourself. And I think structure exactly. is one thing that sometimes we forget that this is what my structure is. And I, I when I've worked with a lot of people who had a lot of mood dysregulation in my practice, and one thing we yeah. really focus on is how is James when things are going well for him? When things are going around, what what's the attributes that he demonstrates? When things are starting to break down, what does that look like? You know, um, or then the, when things are breaking down, what, how does James present? And so I, yeah. that was something I would have, not for me, but for, I would, my clients would do that for themselves. And then yeah. I would also say, well, have your friends and family, the people that are close to you, have them be able to give you those attributes as well. So therefore, not only do you have your subjective version, but you have the objective as well from other people being able to give that to you. It's a really good marker because if you know that things are breaking down, because you haven't done your structure, then more than likely, you know, that's the direction you're going in the downward spiral because your structure isn't there. So I think, you know, yes. based just a little bit that I'm, I mean, you're the expert here, but I, I hear that as creating structure and however that may look for you, whether you feel like you can do it or not, but you do the activity or do follow through with the time frame or whatever that you put into your schedule, I would assume that that would keep people focused regardless of how successful they felt that day was.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely it. And, and, and to be yeah. fair, like you're coming at this with a lot of expertise as well. And, well. Um, and it's really fun to share ideas with you on this. Um, you know, this, one of the other things that's interesting about structure, and I do like to bring this up is this, uh, this idea of can we both hold two ideas at once? One is that structure can be really helpful. So part of brutal focus is this idea of really having some clarity about what your priorities are, which is sort of related to then maybe making a structure that works really well for you. But the other piece is, of course, whenever we're trying to do something that is challenging uh, for us personally, or maybe even challenging in an absolute sense. Like, I don't know, you're trying to build a startup, like you are Mm -hmm. um, kind of walking into that uncertainty. So when we're doing these challenging things, another thing we have to sort of have in our toolkit is the ability to work through uh, that that uncertainty and to actually know Mm -hmm. that like, Ooh, plans, even my structure might need to change, might need to have some adaptability Sorry. or some flexibility. Like, uh, so I, I grew up in Seattle, and one of the interesting things uh, Seattle is kind of an earthquake prone place is uh, how they build the buildings in Seattle. So, uh, the key about, well, I think this is probably true uh, across the states now, but you have to um, have some flexibility and actually ability for the building to move. And mm-hmm. so uh, I remember my father told me after one of the big earthquakes that his building, which was a, a skyscraper, uh, basically swayed back and forth for about five minutes after the Holy big earthquake. Cow. And <laughs> I know, right? But it's <laughs> it's this idea of holding simultaneously. How do you um, have both a good structure, but also understand that there will be moments when, you can't run that as planned. This can be Mm -hmm. even just your weekly calendar to say Mm -hmm. it's worth making a good plan. And and the reason I say this is because when we put intention behind things, it is much more likely that A, those most important things happen and B, um, that we actually feel a better sense of control, which is different from Mm. whether or not we actually have control but we feel like we have more control when we sort of set an intention and then can deliver on it much more mm-hmm. so than the way we feel even as a high performer if you were like i'm just going to work as hard as i can today you might get the same amount of work done but when it doesn't have some intention behind it i think we often feel like there's more chaos and uh, um, we often yeah. feel like oh i didn't get enough done even though you know you you really worked hard um, but of course, plants don't always go the way we think they will, and so mm-hmm. another principle that I talk about is this idea of relishing learning to relish some uncertainty uh, so that's oh, definitely okay. something we could explore,
0: <laughs> yeah, I want to hear more about that that's interesting, relish some uncertainty okay, tell me more
1: yeah well it's um it's this idea that like we sometimes we have things that we know enough or we're comfortable enough with that we're pretty sure we know how they're going to turn out. And uh-huh. that's because often they do turn out how we thought they were going to. Like when I sit out to cook some eggs in the morning, like generally speaking, I manage to cook the eggs. But, um, <laughs> but a lot of times um, when we start to feel discomfort, uh, less confident, all of that, there is an element of uncertainty that's coming to play. And particularly as you take on more ambitious things. So mm-hmm. uh, I, but the thing is, um, our brains really love to avoid uncertainty. So sometimes that means we don't get started mm-hmm. on something mm-hmm. new. Um, we try, we sort of avoid it. We do a bunch of prep and we keep prepping, but we don't actually like.
0: Uh, busy work. <laughs> yeah, not execution. Yeah. Forward <laughs> um, well, procrastination. Do, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other thing we do sometimes is like, and, and I've seen this happen for various leaders where there's uncertainty and maybe things are going slower than they want and they just want to control it. And so like, they uh, don't like being in that uncertainty. So they try and control it. And sometimes that leads to them kind of micromanaging or mucking around with a team. Mm-hmm. And it, it just makes the cultural dynamic less good. Um, and it's usually not actually helping. <laughs>
0: no, and not so, well,
1: yeah. yeah. So we have these responses to the discomfort of uncertainty. And so my my thought or mindset on this one is that if we can start to see what's good about uncertainty and say, because one of the things that uncertainty does is it actually expands our world. It is a source of growth. Um, It's Mm -hmm. a source of getting us off autopilot and actually having to engage because moment to moment, we actually don't know what's going to happen. It's like, if you've seen the TV show before, like, You can multitask and you don't really care about watching every minute. If you Mm -hmm. haven't seen Mm the TV uh, show before, you're like, wait, like, shh, I'm I'm paying attention. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, um, and I think the last thing about uncertainty is uh, where there is uncertainty, there is often also some opportunity that Mm -hmm. in the places that are really well-defined, really well-known, there's often less opportunity. And that's why a startup mm. often has like a high level of uncertainty. Sure. But also sure. potentially like a really high payout. Uh and so that's I, I love to talk about uncertainty and start to say like, but what does uncertainty do for us that's actually possible?
0: Mm. That's something where I am um, I to sit with the uncertainty, one thing from a psychological yes. approach is, or maybe a self-development approach, I look at that also as just to simply ask the question in the moment when you're uncertain, when you're feeling whatever, what am I learning about myself right now? And so when you can oh, ask that, that key point, that key question, I've asked it so many times. And, and as I said earlier, I'm like, well, I'm learning patience right now, or I'm learning, that I don't know what I'm doing right now, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> but when you can be specific and intentional about a lesson that kind brings you into a place of being retrospective or um introspective rather to say this is what's happening how am i showing up what am i learning what what's really manifesting in my life and now what do i do with it
1: mm-hmm. yeah well and that that being able to sit with it is such a wonderful piece of saying and and even just exploring the discomfort to say like mm-hmm. am i physically uncomfortable like uh, another question i like to ask is uh, because our brains evolutionarily have a little bit of a negative bias and, and mm-hmm. that's because it was helpful to help us survive. It's always better to mm-hmm. suspect something bad is going to happen and be super aware. Uh, you know, it keeps you from getting eaten by a tiger or something like that.
0: But, <laughs> <I> know, <right>?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the challenge of course, is what it means is when we encounter uncertainty, often our brain, our feeling, our physiology, the first instinct is that uncertainty equals risk. So if there's mm. uncertainty, there's something um negative uh at at stake. And so one of the things as you're sitting with uncertainty is is to really look at it and say, well, what what is the full range of options? Because we often think just on that side below mm-hmm. zero. <laughs> and to say, <laughs> you know, what's what's actually possible on the positive side? What are all the things that could be positive that comes out of this? And um and to not, and to help your brain not sort of automatically or even subconsciously just sit only with the uncertainty tends to equal, you know, negative consequences, mm. um, which is which is interesting. You know, the other thing I love and and this is something a friend told me it was advice they'd gotten, but it was this idea of trusting your future self. Oh, interesting! And I like that. I like that. So even if it's just your future self of tomorrow like you're like oh I, my boss called me and wants to meet tomorrow did not say why like you yeah. know and uh i'm kind of nervous about that but it's this idea of saying we often are worried about the uncertainty when we don't even have all the information to take some productive or proactive action about it but that to sort of trust that when you have that information as the cards get flipped over, you know, metaphorically speaking, yeah. <laughs> that your future self will be equipped to make good decisions and use the resources that are available in the best way you can. And of course, yeah. it, I'm not trying to say that this always equals a positive outcome, but um, the thought of like, often the likelihood of a catastrophic outcome is very, very mm-hmm. low. And there's a bunch yes. of things in between. And you're, yes. and you can't start to make those decisions or like perseverate about those decisions before you actually have some of that. And so I like this concept yes. of like, can I give this over to my future self and just let mm-hmm. my future self like deal with it when they're equipped
0: yeah. with what they need. Yeah, You know, to piggyback off that as well is I, I always tell people additionally is, is, um, if whatever emotion I'm feeling right now. The situation may be different, but if I'm feeling uncertain or I'm feeling fear, if I could reflect back in my personal database, James, what did you feel fear before? Like I said, the situation may be different, but you felt fear before. What did you do that helped yourself through it? What did you do that did not help yourself through it? Because if you can implement that right now, what helped mm-hmm. me, then I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I'm like, oh, I know I do this, this, and it's decreasing my my fear, and then I can tackle whatever it is. And so I think it's great to trust your future self and also perhaps look at your past as for How did you deal with that, that emotional construct and put those two together? And then here we go. <laughs> here we are today. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I think this is, I think this is, I'm imagining like, yeah, past self on one shoulder, future self on the other shoulder. Like, This is a great combo we've put together here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. Dr. Carla Fowler. it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. We literally flew by. We could talk about this all day. If my viewers and listeners want to find out more information about you and to work with you and to learn all your techniques and principles, where would they find this information online?
1: So a great place to contact me is through my website, and that is at faxa.com. That's T-H-A-X-A. You can certainly learn more about my coaching, and you can also message me through the site if having a conversation to explore that makes sense to you. And if you actually just want to continually follow along with good ideas about performance science, uh, I usually post things on LinkedIn at Carla-Fowler, so you can follow along there too.
0: Wonderful. viewers and listeners also know that if you can't find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I'll have all of your information there. Thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on my show today. Thank you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you and purchase my previous guest's self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.